The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericahealth.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Welcome to Born to be Breastfed with your host, Marie Biancuso. Our program aims to help you bust through the breastfeeding myths and ensure you and your baby enjoy the breastfeeding journey. Over the next hour, we'll help you figure out how to overcome the obstacles you might encounter and how to incorporate breastfeeding into your busy life. Now, here is your host, Marie Biancuso. Hi, everyone. Welcome. You have just joined Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, Marie Biancuto, and today I am most fortunate to have with me our guest from Vancouver, and my guest today is Emma Kwasnika. Emma, welcome. Thank you. Hello. Emma runs the, I shouldn't say runs, but she certainly has started Human Milk for Human Babies Global Network. And for those of you who might not have visited that website, let me just give you a quick idea, which is the website is dedicated to helping mothers to do milk sharing. And so in this first segment, I've asked Emma to come on and help us to understand what milk sharing is, what it isn't, how far flung that network is, and the interactions of the mothers and or the network in general. And before I give my first question to Emma, I would just like to alert you that if you'd like to make a call today and ask questions for Emma, she is very open, very easy to talk to. I know that this is something that's really on people's minds. So if you'd like to call in, the number for call in is 1-866-472-5792. So Emma, Emma, in a few words, can you tell us what is the mission of Human Milk for Human Babies Global Network? Sure thing. I can tell you exactly that. The mission of the (laughs) network is to promote the nourishment of babies and children around the world with human milk. We are dedicated to fostering community between local families who have chosen to share breast milk. Excellent. Well, help me with this here, because a few weeks ago on Born to be Breastfed, I can't remember if it was last week or the week before, I interviewed Amelia Boomker, who donated to two milk banks here in the United States, and also interviewed Kim Uptegrove, who is the executive director of a human milk bank that is regulated by the Human Milk Banking Association of North America, or sometimes uh, abbreviated as Humbana. Now, I refer to those places as Humbana-regulated milk banks, but you don't run a milk bank. You founded the Human Milk for Human Babies Global Network. So how is that different from a Humbana milk bank? Okay, so Human Milk for Human Babies, it's a global milk sharing network, sort of a virtual village that comprises thousands of people from over 50 countries. So we are mothers, fathers, adoptive families, grandparents, childbirth and breastfeeding professionals, volunteers, supporters, donors, and recipients. We've all come together to support the simple idea that all babies and children have the right to receive human milk. 
we use social media as a platform for local families ah, okay. to make the real-life connections come together as sustainable milk-sharing communities where women graciously share their breast milk. So, so the network is built on the principle of informed choice, and we trust, honor, and value the autonomy of families, and we assert that they are capable of weighing the benefits and risks of milk-sharing in order to make choices that are the best for them. So we hold the space for them and protect their right to do what is normal, healthy, and ecological. Would it be fair to say then that you don't really uh, hook these people up? You merely provide a space for them to meet each other. Would that be true? Yeah, you can look at it as sort of a virtual bulletin board. None of okay. the administrators, none of the administrators who are working behind the scenes of the community pages, um, connect people. It's really entirely up to the people that are posting their requests or their offers of breast milk to connect and discuss and make the decisions together. As anyone that is volunteering with the network here, we just hold the space open for families to come and they take it from there. All righty. So this sounds pretty interesting. Uh, is there a story? I can't imagine that you just woke up one morning and said, oh, wow, I'm going to start this global network. You know, is there a story behind this? How did, that, how did this happen? Sure thing. There's an absolutely beautiful and wonderful story behind <laughs> the global network. Um, it all starts basically with harnessing the power of social media and using it to do good in the world. And back in 2010, uh, quite extensively over several months, uh, based on my large network of mothers around the world, and why I have that large network of mother friends around the world was simply because Facebook deleted my account and continued to remove photos of me breastfeeding my kids. So it all started as me as the underdog. I gained lots of friends and mothers around the world who basically felt sorry for my plight and losing my, <laughs> my voice and my chance to say anything on Facebook was taken away from me um, because of breastfeeding photos, which is ridiculous. So based on that, it sounds network, like those, you turned a bad thing into a good thing here. That's right. So banded together, all of us women through my network, um, I was able to, people would come to my page when they were either looking for breast milk or they had a large staff of breast milk to unload. They would often come to me knowing that I was connected to breastfeeding mothers around the world. And I would post on my own personal page that, you know, a baby needed breast milk in Iowa or a mother had several hundred of ounces that she was looking to get rid of and she was in Vermont. And stunningly, I, I would have, you know, responses within a couple hours, sometimes even within minutes of people and they were connecting wow. in that way via my page. So I said, so okay, I'm just one this, woman. <laughs> how, how big is this network? Can you describe for us what is the expanse? Are you in a couple of states, a couple of countries or what? Well, so we're in all the states of the United States of America, which is important for your listeners. We're also, you know, all throughout the states um, and provinces and territories of Canada, also all throughout the same states, territories of Australia. We're in the UK, um, all throughout Europe, um, many parts of Asia. There are 130-some-odd community pages on Facebook running wow. in, in about 53 countries around the world. So if you can imagine, this is you know, a, a large amount of volunteer women, most of whom are breastfeeding mothers from around the world who believe in this vision that we have of, you know, getting human milk to human babies as much as possible to as many babies as possible. Um, they all came together when I put my call to action out. Uh, we had a phenomenal response from women wanting to, to run local communities. So I should backtrack a bit and just tell you that the 
the basic story, the international level that this story was for me that made me think, okay, we've got to launch a network, was when a, a dear friend of mine, um, an English teacher living in Indonesia, adopted a baby boy um, and wanted to feed that baby breast milk. And he said, Emma, you know, I know you're a breastfeeding activist, you're an advocate, what can I do? I don't want to feed this baby powdered infant formula, and here I am in the middle of Indonesia here in a small village. Is there any chance you could figure out how I can get breast milk to this baby? And so I I took a leap of faith, and I put it out there on my Facebook page, and sure enough, I was connected to a woman by the name of Henny, who is a breastfeeding counselor in the neighboring village of where my friend was. And she was able to, it was just incredible. She was able to line up 10 lactating women to feed this adopted little boy for the first 12 months of his life. He didn't have a drop of formula and he had nothing but breast milk from essentially from these wet nurses. Wow. Wow. So, so Emma, does money change hands between you or between the mothers or how does that work? Yeah, that's an important value of the network here, and that is that no money is to exchange hands, and that Human Milk for Human Babies Global Network does not believe or support the sale of breast milk. So these are women who are coming and graciously giving, sharing their breast milk with other babies and children in need. And it sounds to me as though that is very much driven by the woman's generosity rather than some need to get something back. Right. It's it's the other branch, if you will, of altruistic breast milk sharing. So on one branch, you have the Himbana milk banks here in North America. And on the other branch, if you will, is the informal milk sharing, which is what this is. Okay. But you know what? This does not sound to me like a turnkey operation. There's got to be a bunch of work that is involved. So how does the day-to-day work get done? Do you have a local staff or is there a global staff or how, how does that, like, how's the work get done? So it was an amazing amount of work in the early, let's say, the first six months when we launched uh-huh. the network. So back in 2010, all of these women who answered my call to action, who volunteered to run the local pages in their communities, came together on Facebook, if you can picture this, to work online in Facebook groups to form this network and all of our values, our vision, our mission. So all these women came together and had a hand in what this network would be. This is not me, the founder, you know, calling the shot. This is someone with an idea who's connected to many breastfeeding mothers around the world who put it out there, had a phenomenal response and worked hard with over 300 other volunteer breastfeeding moms from around the world to launch this network. How did you have the communication just, I mean, did anybody have a phone call or or anything? I'm trying to imagine 300 women making this happen. So I know it's hard to understand, but um, I think, and it's, it's, it's partly a generational thing too. Young women in their 20s and 30s are using Facebook today much like they use a phone. So it's just another yeah, communication tool. And we're all online as, you know, young moms in their 20s and 30s. It's actually, I mean, it's almost second nature to us to get on and work on a group online. And that's where a lot of the work, you know, it, in fact, all of the work got done online. And it was many hours late into the night and working on time zones because, you know, I'm working with a woman in Malaysia or someone from Australia, and here I am in Canada. So it was a lot of work to connect in that sense. But then it would be good because there'd be a night shift when, when the North American side would be asleep. You know, Australia or the UK would be working in between there and the women from those countries. So <clears throat> this is really, like, I get goosebumps just talking about it. I'm really so proud of how this came together and what this means for the breastfeeding moms oh. around the world because it's a real testament to, you know, women, volunteers coming together for a good cause and building this from seemingly nothing. 
Yes, yes. Well, we we will have much more to discuss on the other side of the break. For those of you who are interested in asking a question to Emma today, uh, feel free to call us at 1-866-472-5792. We'll start questions at 6.30. And don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuzzo with Born to be Breastfed and my special guest today, Emma Kwasnika, talking to us about milk sharing. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog, Press Pass? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective. Plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at VAPressPass.com. That's VAPressPass.com. VA Press Pass by Voice America. All access, all the time. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health & Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuzo or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Welcome, everyone. Uh, thank you for joining us today on Born to be Breastfed. I'm your host, Marie Biancuto, and I have with me today Emma Kwasnika, who is here to talk to us about milk sharing. And in the first segment, Emma helped us to understand a little bit about how the network got going, what it is, what it isn't, how it's different from milk banks. And now I'd like to talk to her a little bit about the risks and the benefits of milk sharing through the mechanisms that she described in the first segment. So, Emma, help me with this. I'm a registered nurse, and I'm also certified by the International Board of Lactation Consultant Examiners. I've been a breastfeeding advocate for literally my entire career, so I'm fully aware of the risks of formula feeding, but I'm also aware of the possible risk of infection being transferred from one mother's milk to another uh, mother's baby when the milk is shared by what appears to be, as you describe it, kind of the honor system. So what reassurance can you give to mothers? Well, let's start with what cautions can you give to mothers who might be interested in exploring milk sharing? Yeah, so we talk about um, the network it really expects the members to respect the space and each other by practicing full disclosure. And we believe that full disclosure reduces risk. Uh, sure. Complete honesty about all the aspects relevant to milk sharing allows all the people involved to make truly informed choices. So if this is based on the premise of informed choice, you know, families are going into this, um, needing to have done all of their homework, all their due diligence, all of their research beforehand, because we're not responsible, any of the volunteers that work at Human Milk for Human Babies behind the scenes and keeping the pages on Facebook going, they're not setting you up with somebody else or reassuring you in any way. It really falls on the parents' shoulders to be making informed choices and to do this. So we acknowledge, you know, the online medium carries its own set of risks and the participants really need to fully analyze these risks and make conscious decisions. So it's up to, up to the participants to get to know each other, to ask the tough questions and to continue talking and engaging with one another until a relationship of trust is established. Like I said before, HM4HB does not assume any responsibility for the outcomes of milk sharing. The volunteers do not arrange milk matches, nor do they mediate conflicts. So... If a family or a mother or a parent or a father is highly motivated to seek breast milk from another mother or their baby or child, they're going to, they've already come this far, found the network, they're going to have done their research, they're going to look into it. And then the major tool for screening uh, that happens among informal milk sharing is the recipients and the donors actually meet each other, okay? This isn't done a transaction online as strangers. It starts with an initial okay. contact point where you don't know each other as strangers, but they go okay. from there, okay? They, they take it to messaging, they're phoning each other, then they're setting up a meeting and they're meeting face-to-face, -face, often in each other's homes. And what maybe people don't realize is that that's a great screening tool to go into another woman's home who you're considering taking milk from. You can see, you know, her house, how she lives. You see her healthy breastfed baby on her hip. And for a lot of women, you know, that's a really good indication. It feels really okay or not to accept her milk. So if people are using all the screening tools that are open to them, they can certainly reduce the risk. And I know the big one that everyone's concerned about, and rightfully so, is HIV. So yes, how do yes. you reduce the, the risk of HIV transmission in, in the context of milk sharing? Well, the major route that women in North America are taking is to... Uh, either refer to the lactating woman's re results or blood testing from pregnancy, where all women in North America know their HIV status when they're pregnant. 
So then they go on once they've had their baby and they're donating milk and feeding their own baby. Um, they know their HIV status. And I have never heard of a case where uh, a woman who's donating her milk, freely giving her milk, is not also willing to provide those records or even to get retested. She'll get retested so- absolutely for a month. Emma, could you back up for a moment then? I understand what you said about encouraging the woman to use all of the screening tools that she possibly can. Do mm-hmm. you, uh, I don't know, I don't know if maybe suggest is the right word, but do you at least list or point out possible screening tools that an interested mother might use in order to uh, interview or observe or have documentation of the other woman's health status? It's really listed in our frequently asked questions on the uh-huh. website. So at okay. www.hm4hb.net, www.hm4hb.net, you can find all this information, the frequently asked questions. Um, so it is listed there, you know, possible trans diseases that can be, can be transmitted, transmitted. Um, but the number one concern is HIV. So how do we reduce risk for HIV? Well, the blood work. That's the way to con- you know, confirm that a woman is HIV. Confirm her HIV status and you'll know the status of whether or not there'll be HIV coming through in her breast milk. Okay, so so let me ask you this then. Uh, we know that Humbana-regulated milk banks here in the U.S. and in Canada and uh, other countries for that matter for, for decades, as far as I know, there has never been a report of any transfer of infection from thousands and thousands of ounces of pasteurized milk dispensed from a Humbana-regulated milk bank. So uh, why would a woman give milk to an unregulated milk-sharing network uh, instead? Can you help us with that a little bit? Sure, yeah. Um, A a lot of women would actually prefer that their milk is not heat-treated before it goes to a baby. They're feeding their own babies this milk directly, you know, raw. Sure talking about the milk movement, they're feeding raw breast milk to their baby. They know their health status. They know they're free from disease. And we do know that we lose a little bit of the good stuff in breast milk when we do heat treat it. We we reduce risk potentially by killing pathogens, but we also reduce some of the good stuff in breast milk. So there are many women who donate uh, informally through milk sharing because they would prefer to not have their milk be heat treated before it goes to a baby, knowing about the good things in breast milk. So that's one reason. It's not a large reason, but certainly some women would prefer that their milk is not treated before it goes to a baby. Emma, I want to interrupt just for for a moment and tell our listeners that what Emma has just said is correct. There are some of the components of human milk that are reduced when they are heat treated. I would, however, like to just emphasize that it's still a million percent better than formula. So uh, anyway, continue, Emma. Yeah, so I think the other concern is, too, when we're reducing these pathogens, potential pathogens in breast milk for critically ill, premature, compromised babies, which is the the population that the Himbana milk banks serve, Uh um, that arm of things is these very small, premature, unwell, sick, very sick, often babies, versus what we do with informal milk sharing. The vast majority of babies and older children, or any age children really, that receive human milk through our network, these babies are full-term healthy babies for the most part, okay? So their need to have any chance of pathogen or anything reduced is perhaps less so than a tiny, you know, critically ill baby. So that's another, you know, possibility here is that these babies are healthy, they can handle, you know, perhaps a bit of bacteria in the breast milk that a critically ill baby couldn't handle. That's another okay. important point. 
Yes, yes. Yo, yeah, well, uh, certainly I usually try to tell our listeners that when I talk about breastfeeding, I'm generally talking about the healthy full-term well baby because certainly preterm babies, babies who are ill or compromised in any way, they are a little bit different. So yes, thank you for making that qualification. So tell me this. Um I noticed that there were several questions on your Facebook page from mothers who said uh, they were taking a medication, uh, they were smoking cigarettes, they might they thought they might be coming down with a cough or a cold or any other number of issues which made the mother herself question the safety of the milk that she might offer to share. So it kind of seems to me that mothers raise these kinds of questions and they're trying to take responsibility for themselves and for their milk. But it seems like at the end of the day, the mother herself is the only mechanism for quality control. So how how does this work? Can you enlighten us a little bit here? Well, because if, it's the, if the mother has those concerns, I mean, yeah, if she's concerned about that, then she doesn't accept a woman's milk who will will say openly, "Look, you know, I smoke three, five cigarettes a day." What she might find is a recipient mom who also smokes a couple of cigarettes a day, and they will connect up and perhaps agree to share breast milk. But at any point, if a woman, you know, she's going to tell you if she smokes or not. She has no sure. finan- There's no financial gain. There's no reason to lie here. They're giving their breast milk away freely from the bottom of their hearts. They're taking the time to express this milk for their own baby and another woman's baby. You better believe that mother is going to let you know exactly if she's taking any medication. Maybe she has a glass of wine at night. She'll let you know all of that. If she has a couple of cigarettes a day, she will tell you. And the recipient mother can decide, do I want that milk for my baby? And at any point, she just says, look, thanks so much, but no thanks. So that's a really important part here is that because there's no middleman, there's no milk bank processing the milk, the women enter into this relationship and they do ask each other the hard questions because they have to. Yes. So then help help us all to understand. We know that there are certain potential risks. There are certainly potential benefits. From where you sit and for the glasses that you see the, the, the lens through which you, you look at this situation. How do you view the risk-benefit? Right. So I'm sitting here as the founder of an international, a worldwide, a global breast milk sharing network. And so I am naturally going to turn to the World Health Organization. And what the World Health Organization suggests is that the next best thing to mother's own milk is the milk from another healthy woman. Before formula, formula is last on the list. So the next best thing for that baby is the wet nurse situation or another mother's expressed breast milk. If we can assure that the woman is healthy, for many parents looking into it, they, if they can get breast milk from another healthy woman, woman that's, that's their interest. That's what they're looking for. And, and we know that that's the next best thing. And the information is out there. This is the age of information. People have access to this. We've done our good work as breastfeeding advocates. Everybody wants to feed their baby breast milk now. So this is what people are seeking, and they will enter into those relationships and ask the hard questions, like I said, and acquire breast milk for their baby. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And and by the way, I have read and read and read that uh, the the thing about what are the options according to the World Health Organization. And I must say that I would like to fully agree with you about an ordering of that system. However, I have actually not been able to assure myself that there is actually an order 
uh, a meaning a, a hierarchy. I have heard that a lot, and I think that that's a common understanding. I've been less able to really, truly document that uh, because they've got, of course, multiple, multiple documents. So I would just like to say for the record, I'm not really sure that that's a hard and fast. I think I would, however, be willing to say that I have never seen the World Health Organization say that formula is uh an equal substitute for human milk. Certainly that I have not seen. And boy, have we got a lot to talk about here on the other side of the break. Uh, when we come back, we'll be talking more. Now, I just want to say before we go to break, a couple of things today. First of all, uh, please make sure that you take a look at the folks who provide Pump and Pal. If you are interested in comfort and good fit of your flange, these are the folks to take a visit to. They do offer a 100% guarantee if you are not happy with the product. Also, please take a look at the folks who are from New Angel, who provide 100% cotton as well as many other kinds of things made in the U.S., made by moms, made for moms. Just take a look. Don't go away. We'll be right back in this after this short break. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuzo? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Explore the power of natural healing with Howard Strauss. Join us each week for an informative program that will help you learn effective healing methods using natural remedies. Howard's guests include top researchers, authors, and experts who will share their views on a variety of natural products and healing methods that really work. Tune in to The Power of Natural Healing with Howard Strauss, Mondays at 11 a.m. Pacific Time, 2 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuzo, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you, too. 
Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. Hi, everyone. Welcome back to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuto, your host, and I have with me today Emma Kwasnika from Human Milk for Human Babies Global Network. And in the first segment, we were talking a little bit about what the network is. And in the second segment, we were really focusing on the risks and the benefits of the informal milk sharing. And one of the things that I'd just like to point out is that as you listen to Emma talk, she talks a lot about values and transparency. And I think that those are just two important things that as I've listened to her, I I hear that and I wanted to Uh, sort of highlight that. So in this segment, I would invite you to call if you have questions. And the phone number, if you would like to call in, is 1-866-472-5792. I know that Emma would be happy to take your questions about milk sharing. So in this segment, then, uh, we don't have any callers right at the moment. So I'm going to ask you, uh, tell us a little bit about some of the nuts and bolts of the practical issues, Emma, what's the scoop with shipping the milk? How does that work? It's It kind of sounds like a monumental task. Yeah, it, it, there is quite a bit involved in terms of assuring, you know, the cold chain and making sure the milk stays frozen during shipment and shipping the quickest way possible overnight if possible in a cooler um, with cooling agents in it. So all of that is, is crucial if you're going to ship milk. Um, uh-huh. you can, there's a link out to it through from our frequently asked questions, I believe, um, certainly information about it. But what we're finding, Marie, actually, is that with the advent here of these hyper-localized community pages running at a local level, we've really reduced the need to ship milk interstate or certainly through several states. There is a community page going for every state in the United States, if you can imagine. Wow. You're dealing in-state wow. stuff here. And then it gets breaking down, broken down further. So we have women in the same city offering and requesting breast milk. And they're actually driving you know, or getting to each other and physically interacting in person, like I said, in each other's homes and you know, exchanging milk in that way. So the need for shipping has come right down with these localized communities. And we think that's a good thing. I mean, our motto is kind of like, you know, think globally and share locally. So that's where we're at with this massive network. Well, well shipping can be a real pain in the neck. So oh, I'm yeah. thinking if they can just drive it to where it's going, that would seem to eliminate uh, a substantial piece of the nuisance as well as the cost. Right, so because even shipping... If, they, the if it has to be well, shipped, who bears the cost? Yeah, recipient would bear the cost in those cases. 
Um, but okay. the women, they work it out with each other. I mean, they know that the money is not to exchange hands for purchasing breast milk, but you can replace, um, as a recipient, you're going to replace the mother's bags that she's expressing her milk into. There's lots of, you know, you can offer her gifts, and women do. They, they're very thankful for this. So although no money is directly you know, exchanging hands, the, the the families are getting together and really are supportive of each other. And I mean, it's ideal for you to continue to support this woman to express breast milk for your baby. So they really do work together and they understand. And by the same token, when a woman does try to sell her breast milk via our network, and we have had that happen, um, the community is really excellent about, you know, talking about this right open on the Facebook page of the community saying, hey, so-and-so has tried to sell me her milk for $4 an ounce or whatever. And, and because we know and we accept that that value of our network is not to sell breast milk, you know, the community really looks after each other and would out that person rather quickly. Yes, yes. Uh, we have a caller who is uh, waiting. If I could go to the caller, please. And caller, could you please tell us what your name is and where you're located? Oh, hello. This is Mary Kay Smith, and I am actually, um, I'm in my car, but I live in Canton, Michigan. And I'm a IBCLC. I've been an IBCLC for um, 26 years now. And I apologize if I ask a question that's already been answered, but I actually have a couple of questions. Okay, shoot, one at a time. Uh, welcome to the show. Uh, one question at a time, please. Okay, well... I think my question about costs may have just been answered as I was listening while I was on hold, but there is no exchange of money um, with the mothers. I mean, is is this true or is this... Yeah, it's absolutely sure true, okay. Yeah, we because that's our value, okay? There's no exchange of money. We do not support the sale of breast milk because as a network and all the women and families involved here, we really believe that it reduces risk when you take out mm-hmm. the money from the equation. Sure, there's so, no motivation. That's right. Mm-hmm. These are, this is an altruistic operation. So these women are offering, graciously offering their breast milk for free to babies in need. Now, okay. just because they're not getting paid, there's a sense of, you know, wanting to know where their breast milk is going. They're going to ask you the questions. They're going to choose their recipients, too. And these women are also very careful, and they select who that their milk is going to. And that's their right. You know, they've, they've taken the time to express their breast milk, um, and they're providing it to another baby free of charge. They're also very careful about where their milk goes. Mm-hmm. Back to our caller. Mary Kay, did you have another question as well? I I do. I um. I'm also very curious about the legal implications of um, the kind of agreement. Now, if, if you could just walk me through this, that say I want some breast milk for my baby. Say there's some reason that I can't nurse my own child. Where do you start? What do you do? Is, can you just walk me through it real quickly? Yeah, so like I said, all the information is available and the frequently asked questions there, but I think it's a bit of a foreign notion for many people today to understand, to take full responsibility for your actions in seeking this for your baby. So like I said, it's based on the principle of informed choice, which is a bit of a foreign notion, and that just means that you are going to have to do all of the research. You are going to have to decide, is this the best thing for my baby or not? And if you enter into this milk-sharing relationship, you're going to come out of there knowing that you have a relationship started with your recipient or your donor, whichever you are, and that you guys come to a full agreement together, that you've explored it, that you've gone the length of phoning each other, that you're meeting in person. So all of these things are going to reduce risk, but they're also going to reduce liability. And I know in our society in North America, everybody loves their lawyers, 
So this is quite foreign to have this be placed entirely on yourself and the woman who you're getting milk from. But I think when we focus on all of that so much, we forget at the heart of this is a woman who's breastfeeding her own baby. She's inviting you into her home. She's taking the time to express breast milk mostly for her own baby and perhaps extra for you. These are all, you know, she wouldn't invite you into your home, take the time to express milk for your baby, get to know you, want to see photos of of your baby thriving on her breast milk. This is the sort of human contact that when we hear about the scary internet and women connecting online, it's not actually the reality of what's happening. There is amazing things happening here. Babies thriving that would otherwise be on powdered infant formula, community building, families coming together. You know, the baby's three years old now and for the first year of life had only my breast milk. Really, bonds are being formed here. And this isn't, you know, it isn't sort of strangers just shipping each other foreign, strange breast milk. It's not at all like that. So, Mary Kay, does that answer your question about um, legalities? Well, um, yes and no, because I'm still curious as to what if there was some kind of a situation that was of a medical nature and the person who donated the milk was somehow at risk or liability. It must be the nurse in me that yes. no, certainly that is mothers, questioning this. <laughs> no, people that have considered doing this certainly have asked that exact question. And if they don't feel comfortable with it, it's clearly stated, don't go ahead. So you're either going to get into a relationship with someone where you can you know, establish that trust and see their blood records, mm-hmm. et cetera, et cetera. And then if you don't feel comfortable, that should be like a red flag and you stop, right? Mm-hmm. Do people actually, do they sign any kind of agreement when they agree? Or is it, are you aware of that? Or I have, I have no awareness of that and we don't, you know, provide a form or anything like that. Like I said, because okay. it's based on informed choice and it's really up to the families, they may enter into an agreement like that with a contract, but that's not what I'm seeing. Mm-hmm. I'm seeing, wow. you know, a, a lot of trust happening here in each other's homes that sort of thing. It sounds like you need to uh, know what's going on in a sort of distant way, but you feel pretty confident of your answers there. Uh, Mary Kay, thank you so much for calling in. Oh, thank you Uh, so much. I'm going to check out the Facebook page and and learn as much as I can about this. Thank you. Bye-bye. All right. Thank you for the call. All right. So, so Emma, help me with this. Typically, what are the characteristics or circumstances of the mother who needs the mother or the baby who needs the milk? Right. So we touched on this a little bit when we talked about Himbana, but um, whereas Himbana provides for these future, often very compromised, critically ill babies, informal milk sharing covers a whole different population of babies. So we're looking at healthy term babies whose mothers, for whatever reason, cannot provide breast milk, whether it's because of, you know, they've adopted this baby and they're not lactating and they're unable to bring in a full supply or they don't want to induce lactation or a woman who has breast cancer and cannot breastfeed or in the case of gay fathers who have adopted a baby or a surrogate situation. So they want breast milk for this baby. They're not able to provide breast milk themselves. The baby is healthy, full-term baby, has no access or little access to lactating breasts, or women who don't produce enough breast milk. It's quite, you know, it's not very common, but it does happen where women can breastfeed, but they don't make much milk at all. So all of those situations are, you know, good examples of who might turn to, and they would be turned away from Himbana. Himbana cannot serve the needs of healthy term babies. They just can't. So in the community milk milk sharing, it's a different model. So it's a community milk sharing model where those you can turn to the women who are breastfeeding in your community who have a surplus of breast milk and they're willing to share it with your healthy baby. 
We have only a couple of seconds uh, left. A short answer, do, do most mothers tell their doctor that they are doing informal milk sharing or not? I would say the majority do not. Yeah, that would be my guess because so many times people don't want to uh, uh, take any flack, if you will, for something that is a little bit uh, still new and unconventional. Alrighty, everybody, don't go away. I'm Marie Biancuso, your host for Born to be Breastfed. I am here today with Emma Kwasnika. We're talking about informal milk sharing. And don't go away. We'll be right back after this short break. Your life, your health, your network. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. Breastfeeding Outlook, owned and operated by Marie Biancuso, is America's premier provider of breastfeeding education. If you're a nurse, lactation consultant, dietitian, midwife, physician, doula, or other professional, Breastfeeding Outlook is your source for SERPs, nursing contact hours, and CEUs to meet your certification or licensure requirements in all 50 states. Join Marie at a seminar in one of many U.S. cities or learn online. Marie has helped thousands to pass the IBLCE exam on the first try, and she can help you too. Call to find out how to get an easy payment plan for Marie's IBLCE exam prep course. And if your hospital is seeking the baby-friendly hospital designation, we can help you with that too through expert training and value-based consultation. We have a variety of packages to meet your needs without breaking your budget. Sign up for a live or online course or inquire about training today. Please visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. Evidence for your practice starts here. Visit breastfeedingoutlook.com or call us at 703-787-9894. These days, everyone is looking for information on staying young, healthy, and fit. The Voice America Health and Wellness Network is here to help you on your quest to better health and a better you. We talk about everything from diet, fitness, and aging to substance abuse, personal growth, mental health, and much more. Learn from our experts who cover health and wellness from traditional and holistic perspectives. Tune in to the Voice America Health and Wellness Network. Healthy living starts here. Do you enjoy listening to Marie Biancuso? Do you think your staff would enjoy listening to Marie? As the past president of Baby Friendly USA, Marie currently offers baby-friendly training programs, online only, live only, or a combination of live and online education. If you are tired of listening to a boring lecture in a dark room, watching bullet point slides with a brief chance for questions at the end, come and enjoy a truly interactive learning online or live program with Marie. Call Marie today at 703-787-9894 to find an option that works for your staff. Opinions, options, answers. You're listening to Voice America Health and Wellness. You're listening to Born to be Breastfed. To reach Marie Biancuso or her guest on today's program, please call 1-866-472-5792. That's 1-866-472-5792. You may also send an email to radio at borntobebreastfed.com. Now, back to the show. 
Hi, welcome back, everyone, to Born to be Breastfed. I'm Marie Biancuto, your host. I have with me Emma um, Kwasnika. As always, information given on this show or on my website or any of my websites does not provide medical advice. Information is provided for informational purposes only and is not intended as a substitute for the advice provided by your physician or your baby's physician or other healthcare professionals. You agree to these terms when you listen live or download the shows or the products or view the pages on the website. Always speak with your physician or your baby's physician or other healthcare professionals before deciding on or declining any medical treatment for yourself or for your baby. Information and the use of any products or services mentioned here by me or by my guest does not create a doctor-patient relationship between you and any of the professionals associated with our websites or our radio shows. So, Emma, help us with this now. Um, there are only 15 Humbana-regulated milk banks in the United States. But let's say, let's just say that tomorrow morning at 8 a.m., there is a Humbana-regulated milk bank on every corner of every major, major city in the U.S. and Canada and everywhere else that our listeners might be, and we are in several countries. Uh, would that eliminate the need for the uh, global network no, because we have a rising rate of prematurity that we're barely able to grapple with in today's day and age, and we cannot even, you know, feed but a, you know, a small amount of these babies who need it, who are critically ill, born premature, and more and more babies are being born premature. Once yes. again, the global network serves the population of healthy term babies, so even if we're serving now all of these compromised babies, there's still going to be a need in the community, in your community, for babies that are healthy, that are term-born. They don't have, for whatever access to enough breast milk from their mother, from their adopted fathers, from their adopted mothers, there's just not the source of breast milk coming. You need to rely on women in their community to feed that baby. So I just want to quote a little bit from our vision statement here about human milk for human babies. Breast milk, the biologically normal sustenance for humankind, is a free-flowing resource, and mothers of the world are willing to share it. Milk sharing is a vital tradition that has been taken from us, and it's crucial that we regain that trust in ourselves, our neighbors, and in our fellow women. Feeding any breast milk substitute is not without risk, and we support the families who know there is another option. We are the bridge that connects local families and brings them together again as milk-sharing communities. Indeed, the future of humanity depends on our return to sharing in a local and tangible way with one another. And I just want to leave you with some wonderful, heartwarming stories to remind you that we focus on the medical, the, the liability, the aspects. But what about that human contact touch, the, what this is actually doing for babies around the world? We have a wonderful story, for example, of a woman who doesn't get the support she needs in the initial days of lactation, having real trouble breastfeeding her enough baby. She doesn't have enough milk for her baby. Another mom comes in in support in her community. You know, we shouldn't under, underestimate the, the value of peer support. Mom comes in, helps her to figure out her baby is tongue-tied. Okay, they get the tongue-tie revised. Her supply is able to be fixed, brought in, and now that same recipient mom turns around, has a surplus of milk. Now she's got her supply up. Her baby is gained wonderfully, and she turns back to the community and offers now her surplus of breast milk to another mother in need of milk for her baby. We have wonderful photos coming in of babies who are now three years old, who for the first year of their lives, they had nothing but donor milk from six mothers. And we see wow. photos coming through to those mothers saying, thank you so much for nourishing my baby for a year on your milk. Look at my baby. Isn't this child wonderful? So please don't forget <laughs> 
Don't forget the human touch, the human side. These are all moms who are feeding their own babies. They're okayed by their pediatricians to feed their own babies, and they have a surplus for any other babies or children in need. They want that relationship. This is a bond of trust. This is not a one-time thing for the most part. These are ongoing donor-recipient relationships, and it's really a thing of beauty. So I think it would be fair there to say that the whole endeavor is more than just about the milk. It's really about the relationship and the altruism, if you will. Am am I getting that right? Yes, because if they're not being paid for their breast milk and they're willingly giving, graciously giving this milk away, what are they seeking? It's the altruistic component. They're seeking that relationship. They're seeking the photos of that baby thriving on their milk. It's not entirely, you know, it's altruism, but what do they want back from it? They want that good feeling in their heart of helping another, sustaining another baby. And that is what they're seeking, the donor mothers. And quite honestly, that is what they're getting from it. And what a great feeling. Yes. So, So let me ask you this, Emma. If you, you've, you've obviously spearheaded this effort. I won't say that you've done it alone, but you've certainly spearheaded the global network for milk sharing. Is there anything that you would do differently? No, because I never really had any kind of control. I just, I really <laughs> honestly watched this take off and it was, it was uh-huh. ready and ripe for the taking. It was ready to happen. The women of the world stepped into this so beautifully This was just waiting to happen. I just happened to be someone with a big mouth who opened it up and said, come on, (laughs) gang, let's go. Let's do it. So already the women were there. Speak slowly and clearly. Tell everybody your address for your website and then repeat it, please. Okay, www.hm, the number four, hb.net. So www.hm4hb.net. Net. That is our website, but we operate on Facebook, okay? So in your local uh-huh. community, you go to your page and you type in the words on Facebook, human milk, and your state, and you will find your community page for milk sharing. So our caller, for example, was from Michigan. So it would be human milk Michigan typed yeah, into on Facebook? Facebook? Yep. In the search, okay. search bar there on Facebook, you type in human milk Michigan and human milk for human babies, Michigan community will come right up for you. Okay, and and presumably that is, okay, so what about if I'm in uh, uh, Israel? Same thing, human milk, Israel, type in human milk, Malaysia, human milk, Japan, human milk. So you can put in the country as well. Yeah, so some of them are country-based pages and some of them, most of them are are slower, sort of smaller into the state, but some countries, as you know, are quite small and... yes. So for the North American listeners, if they type in their state, they're going to find their community. They're going, okay. Very, very good. Well, this has been most informative. Again, I think that Emma would say, and certainly I will say, in it's it's important to educate yourself about what there is, what there isn't, and to make choices that make sense for you and for your family. The important thing is we're not here to give advice. We're just here to give you information and hope that you have found this uh, helpful. 
So at any rate, thank you, Emma Kwasnika, for joining us today. It's been a real pleasure. And as usual, that's all the time we have, and it goes so, so, so fast. Please visit my website at borntobebreastfed.com for a preview of what's coming up next week. And if you're interested in professional continuing education about breastfeeding and lactation, remember, I'm your source for evidence-based practice and education on the web and sometimes in your city. Again, that website, if you are a mother, is born to be breastfed.com. If you're a professional looking for professional education, it's breastfeedingoutlook.com. Thank you, Emma Kwasnika, for being with us today. Thank you for our sponsors. I'm Marie Biancuzzo, and I promise I'll help you to cut through the myths and clarify the facts about breastfeeding next Monday, same time, same channel. In the meanwhile, remember, your baby was born to be breastfed. Have a great week. Thank you for tuning in this week to Born to be Breastfed. Please join Marie Biancuzo next Monday at 3 p.m. Pacific Time, 6 p.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. This week, do its best for you and your baby.